Yeah. Look at that red button. It means we're red. recording. Yay, red for record. We're seeing red. We're not turning red. We're not turning that's a, red. That's a new Disney I still don't movie. watch that one. It's good. Is it? Turning red? Mm-hmm. Didn't that make a bunch of people mad about something? What's it about? I think people got mad because they like talked about her getting her period. Periods are not natural. Nope. <laughs> Crazy. Coming up in this episode of Listen to Your Mother, Earth. So I think the weird. only thing we remember from Nixon is I am not a crook. Yes. <laughs> the policies of our presidents. There would just be waste sites and people would be like, oh, well. <laughs> Carter came in and he was like, should we clean those? <laughs> I'm Ellen. I'm Emily. I'm Teresa. And this is Listen, Listen to, to Your, your mother, mother, Earth. So okay. presidential podcast. Dun, I'm excited dun, 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 for this dun, dun, one. Dun, 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 dun. It was really interesting. So like, uh, I enjoy like keeping an eye on politics, but I've never done a deep dive into some past presidents. I do know that oftentimes if something is passed or like there's a law, sometimes there are additional things that are passed along with it. And uh, it sounds like even though sometimes a president would like pass a law that seemed great, if you looked at the fine print, occasionally it would actually cut some other policies. This is a dabble. This mm-hmm. is not a deep, deep dive, but it's a decent dive into the U.S. presidents and climate. I just wanted to start with Kennedy. So JFK, a Democrat, by the way, we're going to list each party with each person from 1961 to 1963 is when he was in office. All of our presidents actually have done some things for our country, which is fantastic. And even some of the climate policies, which brings us hope. Uh, it's just interesting to see which direction each one is steered. So for JFK, he had a big focus on preserving the land. So for example, in 1962, he said in a statement from the White House, I don't think there is anything that could occupy our attention with more distinction than trying to preserve for those that come after us this beautiful country. And in 1956, the National Park Service published a report on increased development and rapid disappearance of unspoiled shoreline. So boom, Kennedy, who was a sailor, was like, we can't have that. So he decided to form three national seashores to protect hundreds of miles of shoreline. I love the quote that you just said from him because even if you take that out of a climate context, it's just everyone wants to leave the world better for those who will come after us. Climate change threatens our very existence. What further disasters will convince world leaders that the existing technology and renewable energy offers the last remaining hope for a sustainable future. There's John yeah. F. Kennedy talking about climate change. And I again, had no idea. All right, you caught 1960s. <laughs> caught me off guard there. Wow. <laughs> they were already talking, you know, renewable energy. Right. And- hinting at how imperative that would be for future generations. So Lyndon B. Johnson came next. He was also a Democrat from 1963 from 1969. He was in office and he's done a a decent amount. So President Johnson, for example, is the first president of the United States to sign acts concerning clean air and water quality, which is huge Mm -hmm. because coming out of the 50s and into the 60s, like things were not great. If you've never seen the show Mad Men, it's about, you know, advertising the men of Madison Avenue and all that. But like the family will go for a picnic and they'll leave and they'll shake their blanket off and all their trash will just go in the grass and then they get up and they go. Yep. (laughs) Like you wouldn't, I hope, see Uh, anybody do that today. Yeah. If you saw someone do that today, you would be like, 
hello? Yeah. <laughs> what is going on there? He enacted tons of acts and policies. So the Clean Air Act of 1963, the Pesticide Control Bill of 1964, Water Quality Act of 1965, and that's just to name a few. Also, this is key, the U.S. President's Science Advisory Committee then in the 60s, which is now known as the President's Council of Advisors, cautioned President Lyndon B. Johnson that the continued release of CO2 into the atmosphere from burning fossil fuels would, quote, almost certainly cause significant changes and could be deleterious from the point of view of human beings. Teresa, what does deleterious mean? Harmful. Yes. Something like that. Word. And I think people, I don't know how well you know your presidents, but uh, Lyndon B. Johnson's wife, Lady Bird, he yeah. was just so sweet with her. And I think that these green spaces were something that were important to her as well. Aww. And I wonder how that influenced him. But this is oh, um, this is Lyndon B. Johnson speaking at University of Michigan. Hey, go blue. <laughs> in, no comment. In May <laughs> 1964. We have always prided ourselves on being not only America the strong and America the free, but America the beautiful. Today, that beauty is in danger. The water we drink, the food we eat, the very air that we breathe are threatened with pollution. So he's, you know, talking about this in speeches like this as well. And he carried through. He signed over 300 conservation measures into law, and he's known as forming the legal basis for the modern environmental movement. Up next, <laughs> sorry, Richard Nixon. Nixon has entered the chat. Nixon has entered the chat. So despite what he is known for, <clears throat> Watergate, he had quite an impact as well. And I think people are surprised by it, right? Right, especially because we've just come off of two Democratic presidents and now we're going into a Republican president. And with our, if we're looking through our, you know, modern day lenses, looking back. Historically, Republicans yeah. have not passed as many conservation or climate change measures as Democrats. Yeah, but it's interesting looking at Nixon because he really still was a big advocate for the environment pre-social media and pre-like mm -hmm. even television and internet. And, well, you know, it's, it's as, tough as too, though, because it, it does have an impact on companies and corporations. I mean, if you're making changes like this, it can certainly impact the bottom line for corporations. And, mm -hmm. and if businesses are going to have to find a new way of doing things, that's challenging. So... Um, it does become politically somewhat polarizing yeah. to that extent. Definitely. And I think it's fair to say that now climate change is so polarizing politically, but it wasn't always. Yeah. It certainly, you know. When At this, this juncture, it wasn't yes. what it is today. Yes. And during the time frame, or at least a portion that Nixon was in office, um, the years 1970 through 1980 were known as the environmental decade. So this began with the passage of the National Environmental Policy Act, or NEPA, and this was signed by Richard Nixon in 1970. NEPA created the Council of Environmental Quality, which oversaw the environmental impact of federal actions. So this kind of created the framework for the EPA, basically. And this was his message to Congress on the environment in February 1972. Each of us all across this great land has a stake in maintaining and improving environmental quality clean air and clean water, the wise use of our land, the protection of wildlife and natural beauty, parks for all to enjoy. These are part of the birthright of every American. That's a good 
Um, Isn't it interesting to hear them talking about it? It is. It is. And I think that's just, again, something that everyone should be able to agree on is that clean air is important. (laughs) Clean water is important. To Nixon's credit, he created the Marine Mammal Protection Act, the Ocean Dumping Act, the Endangered Species Act, the Legacy of Parks Program, which uh, is a cool initiative, and it converted closed federal lands to public use. So this transformed over 80,000 acres of land into 642 parks for access to all. And uh, I just, I think that that is really interesting. Apparently, according to some environmental groups, um, looking back, uh, they said that until recent presidents, Nixon was pretty green. So Interesting. Yeah. Well, there you that's go. Green that's guy. cool. I love that we're doing this episode just because that's probably um, not something that a lot of people would be aware of. I certainly wasn't. So. I didn't know that either. So I think the only cool. thing we remember from Nixon is I am not a crook. Yes. <laughs> so next up, we've got Jerry, Gerald R. Ford, Republican, headed uh, to office. Office, Michigan. Yes. Oh, shout out. <laughs> he was in office from 1974 to 1977, kind of a crucial time frame. And I think this summarizes him the best. Okay, so listen to this quote. He is deeply committed to achieving a balance between the needs of the environment and the needs of a dynamic growing economy. So that's when, yeah, yeah, okay, interesting. We start to see that like policies are great, but there's a pushback when Mm -hmm. it comes to the money spent. Yep. And so we have presidents that are coming into office saying, okay, uh, how can we maybe balance this? How can we, you know, still make this more um, a cleaner, safer, better environment, but also like not hurt the economy. That's a difficult balancing act to have. Another quote, (laughs) I'm committed to the nation's effort to clean up the environment. At the same time, I'm concerned about the cost and impact on the economy. We cannot do it all tomorrow. Fair point. Yep. So um, just a few notes for him. On December 4th, 1974, he uh, transmitted to Congress a proposal for 37 new additions to our national wilderness preservation system. This would add over 9 million more acres to the wilderness system. So that was huge. And one of the first bills that the president signed uh, was the Forest and Rangelands Renewable Resources Planning Act. I always love how long these are. I know. But this bill basically provides a process which should permit better choices for the management of renewable resources. Lastly, he did the Bicentennial Land Heritage Act, and this proposed to spend $1.5 billion over the next 10 years to more than double the percent of acreage of land for national parks. Jimmy Carter, he came into office in 1977 through 1981. He, he is definitely known for some huge steps towards not just environmental protection, but also bringing climate change concerns front and center. So much so that uh, one story that is linked to Carter is the installation of solar panels on the White House. Cool. Did you guys oh, know that? I didn't Not. know they had solar panels. Yep. In 1979, he went out and he put solar panels on the roof of the West Wing. How about <laughs> there that? You go. That's like how passionate he was, as it wasn't just policies that he was looking into. He was like, you know what? We can do it right here. <laughs> that is really cool. I had no idea. He was the first global leader to recognize the problem of climate change, basically. That's what he is known for. So even if some presidents brought it up in the past, Jimmy Carter is the one stamped with like, being known to recognize the problem of it and actually start to really push for changes. So in 1977, he commissioned the Global 2000 Report to the president. It's an ambitious effort to explore environmental challenges and the prospects of a sustainable development 
And uh, sustainable development was apparently like a brand new phrase when that came out. He is starting to like be like, okay, we need the science. Like, let's dive in. Let's start issuing some reports and getting some scientists on this. And he continued that mission well after his presidency. This is him at a climate change seminar. I think it was 2014. The... Uh full support and enthusiastic involvement of young people who are going to be affected much more than older people like me with global warming in the future is, uh, is a key uh, to marshalling leadership. So yeah, he didn't just stop <laughs> during his presidency. <laughs> he was like, I'm out. I'm done. <laughs> Sorry, guys. He signed 14 major environmental bills and he foresaw the threat of climate change in a real way. He had a super fund which requires the cleanup of hundreds of major hazardous waste sites so i love this i didn't know this but like there'd just be waste sites and people would be like oh well <laughs> and carter came in and he was like should we clean those <laughs> so he and developed a super fun to do that other issues in our water exactly yeah. <laughs> like we're still dealing with some of these impacts and it's so interesting that in his presidency he was starting to you know lay the groundwork for trying to take care of those i love how he started to um, coined the term sustainable development, too, because now the U.N. has all their sustainable development goals. And um, that's such a huge part of life right now. The thing about Jimmy Carter is he's most known for something that at first was like laughed at a bit um, and now praised. But it was this massive expansion of federal lands in Alaska. He conserved a bunch of it. 157 million acres in Alaska. And it's the nation's largest singular expansion of protected lands. And again, at first it caused a massive smear campaign because it just like, people were like, we could profit on that. But what's interesting is the conservation of it has actually become more profitable for tourism and other things. Next up, we've got Ronald Reagan, Republican, 1981 to 1989. And he had a landslide victory over Carter. And the Reagan era is basically summarized in post as just a stalemate when it comes to environmentalism. Um, a lot of his administration left a lot of serious problems unaddressed. Um, but like all presidents that we've seen before, like he still has done some good. So we definitely need to credit the good and then just be aware that environmentalism and climate change was not his priority. He did talk about it. This is uh, an address. He did a weekly radio address, and this was from June 11th, 1983. Um, he was at Camp David at the time. My fellow Americans, I think it's time to clear the air and straighten the record on where my administration stands on environmental and natural resources management matters. I know you've heard and read a million words about where others think we stand. Now, how about five minutes of the truth? A few weeks ago, when Bill Ruckelshaus was sworn in as director of the Environmental Protection Agency, he very graciously pointed out that when his agency was created 13 years ago with him as its first director, California was the environmental leader of the nation. Having been governor of California at that time, I was and am very grateful to Bill for those kind words. So he was obviously aware of the way yeah. that certain people felt about uh, his stance on the environment. Two slashes on his environmental record, if we want to do it this way. In his early years, his administration slashed budgets for a lot of environmental programs. Uh, it reduced environmental enf enforcement. 
um, and it reopens public lands for mining, drilling, grazing, and other private uses. Also, second slash, he took down the solar panels <laughs> off of the White House no. that Jimmy Carter put up. Those were short-lived. <laughs> they did not make it very long. He yeah. did do something really phenomenal, though. He paid attention when ozone depletion became an issue. Mm. So he actually is known for really saving our skin because when all the science came in saying, hey, we've got a problem where our actions are creating a hole in the ozone layer, Reagan stepped up and he overruled objections within his own cabinet and went into a major proposed treaty to protect the ozone layer. So that's the Montreal Protocol. And it stands as the most successful and widely ratified international environmental agreement, meaning like to date, this is the one everyone is like, we're in, sign it. And it's been successful. If we look at ozone numbers now, like way better than they were back during his administration. So, so these things can work. They can. George Bush Sr. is up next. All right. 1989 to 1993. I Republican. Like we're doing like a, come a game down. show. I know. <laughs> George H.W., come George on H. down. <laughs> he was surprisingly environmental. He strengthened the Clean Air Act, for example, which is huge. Um, when he took office, he also implemented command and control mechanisms. Uh, Should I know what those are? I'll tell you. Okay. And we, we kind of, we kind of touched on this a little bit with the past episode where it was like talking about economic incentives for developing new strategies. So the government would impose regulations and instead of businesses just simply having to fall in line, George Bush senior, who studied economics at Yale felt that setting goals and letting the market figure out how to best react to them would be more cost effective. Huh. So that was his solution for balancing environment and economy. So he proposed the creation of a national emissions market for utilities, which you could buy and sell pollution rights. And this gave them a strong economic incentive, groups an incentive to reduce their emissions. So this was basically known as cap and trade, which harnesses the power of markets to reach environmental goals. And Super this is smart. a 10-second uh, clip of George H.W. talking at Georgetown University in 1990 about climate change. We all know that human activities are changing the atmosphere in unexpected and in unprecedented ways. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> Short and sweet. Short and sweet. That's, yeah. that's what he's got. He put tons of Clean Air Act amendments into operation, which current day have delivered about $2 trillion in economic benefits, wow. by the way, by the year 2020. He also introduced the Energy Policy Act of 1992. Congress wanted to lessen the U.S. dependence on oil and gas, and so they started to really lean into... Um, alternative fuels like ethanol, hydrogen, electricity, and biodiesel. Do you guys remember this? I remember going to the gas station. It would be they like eat. corn oil. Yeah. 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 Do you guys? I, that is like a vivid childhood I memory. That. Going to the gas station and being like corn oil. All right. But apparently, like they started to lean into that more because they're starting to realize, like we got to start working on environmental fuels. I am very pleased that the United States has reached a truly historic agreement with other nations of the world to take unprecedented steps to address the global problem of climate change. So that's President Bill Clinton yep. talking about the Kyoto Protocol in 1997. Clinton administration Vice President Al Gore was a main participant in putting the Kyoto Protocol together in 1997. President Clinton signed it into agreement, but the U.S. Senate refused to ratify it, citing potential damage to the U.S. economy required by compliance. 
But some things about Clinton that he did. At that time, 62 million people still lived in areas with drinking water below federal standards. And 157 million people, which is basically 62% of the country, still breathed air that failed to meet federal standards. So in response to that, Clinton strengthened the Safe Water Drinking Act and also the uh, toughest adoption of standards for the soot and smog recommendations. Over the coming decade, the measures that he put into place plan to cut smog pollution from new vehicles by 77 to 95%, which was a big step. And the administration also launched a long-term effort to restore just the beautiful skies of the national parks and to clean up a lot of the nation's worst toxic waste. So it's just amazing to me that like how many presidents have been trying to do this and we still have like because that's how waste. hard it is. Yeah. And yeah. it's hard when, you know, it's not like we can shut off manufacturing and those facilities, you know, it's right. there's still problems that are happening as we speak but so emily mentioned in our last episode that we entered the kyoto protocol in 97 when right clinton signed it right but then dropped out of it before it had taken full effect and that was under george jr george w bush the issue of climate change respects no border its effects cannot be reined in by an army nor advanced by any ideology Climate change, with its potential to impact every corner of the world, is an issue that must be addressed by the world. The Kyoto Protocol was fatally flawed in fundamental ways. Yep, clearly he didn't think that the Kyoto Protocol was going to work. Right. Yeah. That's interesting how he acknowledges the problem and then says this isn't going to fix it. So when he was a governor, he was like, I think we need to take the issue of climate change very seriously and limit how much carbon dioxide is emitted by power plants. And then he got into office and he was like, just kidding. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so the tone for Bush's presidency and his environmental stamp was basically set in the first 100 days of office uh, when he reneged on a campaign promise to regulate carbon dioxide from coal burning power plants. And then again, with his withdrawal from the Kyoto Protocol, uh, it wasn't just that America backed out. It basically just cast tons of doubt on the entire thing in general. And the head of the EPA at the time said the way that he dropped out was the equivalent to, quote, flipping the bird frankly, to the rest of the world. Mm, it's interesting. Quote. And we talked last episode about how Canada ended up backing out because the United States wasn't in it and because China wasn't in it. So it did kind of set a precedent. It, it did. It wasn't just the United States. Other countries saw what we were up to and said, wait. It seems like there was some drama, too, starting to go on during his administration because a NASA scientist, James Hansen, accused the Bush administration of trying to block data showing the acceleration in global warming. Ooh. So he like just went out and accused the whole administration, which is kind of a big That's accusation. That's a bold accusation, yeah. yeah. Yep. Wow. Other controversial actions included <laughs> gutting key sections of the Clean Water and Clean Air Acts, dismantling the protections of the Endangered Species Act, opening millions of acres of wilderness to mining, oil and gas drilling and logging, defunding programs charged with the cleanup of toxic industrial waste such as arsenic, lead and mercury, reducing the enforcement effort of the EPA and removing grizzly bears and wolves from the endangered species. He also uh, endorsed commercial whaling and approved mountaintop removal of coal mining. He did uh, create the climate change science program and the Energy 
Policy Act of 2005, which authorized $5 billion over five years in tax incentives to encourage investments in energy efficiency. So again, like each president has some. Yeah. Something. Something. And I still want to see that happen. I'm willing to work with anyone to make that happen. But this is a challenge that does not pause for partisan gridlock. It demands our attention now. So that was President Obama 2013 talking about a market-driven approach to helping with climate change. So once again, on either on a different side of the aisle, but still leaning into that economic benefit of doing things differently, not just relying on coal and oil. Like if we put our mind to it, if we push into innovation, and one of the things that he's known for is, and one of his first acts as president was the American Recovery and Reinvestment Act and invested $90 billion in renewable technology and clean transportation. That's a, a lot hefty, of money. <laughs> hefty amount. $9 billion. Wow. And he's known as saying no challenge poses a greater threat to future generations than climate change. So he took it really seriously. Okay. Obama, by the way, put solar panels back on the White House. <laughs> yes. Okay. They're just, I mean, that poor crew who probably has to trek in every four to eight years. They're like, here we go again. <laughs> here we go. Right. Still have them in storage. Oh. Anyway, he did a lot to step forward after George Bush Jr., you know, cut and slashed. All right. So we're kind of starting to feel that that whiplash. polarization. Yeah, that whiplash mm -hmm. where it's like, depending on who is elected, I mean, so much can come and go. Then it was even more extreme from Obama to Trump. Oh, get Absolutely. ready. So this yes. is uh, President Trump. Um, at the G7 in what year was this? Three years ago. And we have more of it than anybody else. And I'm not going to lose that wealth. I'm not going to lose it on, on dreams, on windmills, which frankly aren't working too well. That, that's a small snippet, but that was the gist. He's talking about uh, the wealth that exists underground. Yeah, one of the things that I think we know about Trump is he just really wanted to strip all governmental restrictions and basically he wanted to make it easy for any business owner to do whatever they wanted. To make and money. To make money. So his focus was all economy, no environment. So to count, he had 74 actions that his administration put into place to weaken environmental protection. And then I think we, we all know that Trump promised to withdraw from the Paris Agreement as mm -hmm. well. So that was a big gut punch. Um, again, it, it's like you're getting everybody to the table. You're trying to figure out some solutions. And then America is out again. You know, every time we have this turn of elections and we elect a leader that just doesn't feel like it's a priority, they literally make it not just a priority for themselves, but for a lot of other countries that depends on America's opinion and actions. With uh, Biden, then, have we seen seen the same kind of whiplash? Yes, absolutely. Biden, no president has invested more than Biden now up to this point. So he's invested a lot of money. The restrictions that he has been able to sign into office, re-put in place this priority for uh, cleaning up the air, cleaning up the environment. Um, even in the Great Lakes area alone, he's invested $500 million just to clean up and expand tourism along the Great Lakes shoreline. So that's just one small example uh, of the fact that Biden is back in the Paris Agreement. Climate is front and center. Almost every speech, he's bringing it up, saying that this is our top concern, top priority. And as much as one president can do with, you know, the Senate and the House in office, um, bringing back acts and restrictions to help preserve things for the future. 
Let the whiplash continue. Coming up in our next episode, we're going to kind of run down a lot of the things that you can do that we're going to be talking about in this podcast. I think we kind of wanted to set the tone with these first several episodes so that you could get a good understanding of what climate change is and um, some things that have gone into it on an international and on a national level. Um, But we're going to help you out in your home. And that's all coming up in our next episode. What can we do to make our Mother Earth proud this week? I mean, on that note, I think something you can do is vote and research your politicians. Of course, we all have different things that matter the most to us, but um, probably if you're listening to this podcast, you care about the earth and you care about future generations. And um, I would just recommend that you get to the polls or you get that absentee ballot and you vote. Thanks for listening slash watching. Listen Listen to to your your mother. mother.